from the Southeast Florida studios of the law firm Trip Scott in Fort Lauderdale. This is Politics and Sunshine, a continuing series of interviews with local and national subject matter experts tackling the issues that make you stand up. In this episode, Trip Scott CEO Ed Poswali talks to former Fox News contributor and key strategist for President Trump, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Here's your host, Ed Poswali. With us today, we're so happy to have Kimberly Guilfoyle. Kimberly is an award-winning prosecutor who uh, actually never lost a case while practicing in San Francisco. She's a former Fox News contributor and a top key strategist for President Trump. Now, Kimberly hosts the Kimberly Guilfoyle Show on Rumble. Kimberly, welcome. Great speaking to you again. Yeah, wonderful to be with you. Hey, a lot's going on. I wanted to start, obviously, with the most obvious, this indictment. As a lawyer, a prosecutor, somebody who's led a district attorney's office, what in the world is Alvin Bragg doing? Yeah, this is just uh, very disturbing. You know, as a former officer of the court and dedicated prosecutor for many years, the position of being a DA or a prosecutor is so important. You have tremendous discretion. And it's a position where you swear an oath to uphold the law, to follow the law, to apply it equally, evenly, based on the facts, the law, the evidence, and not to do anything arbitrarily or engage in selective or malicious prosecution or use the power of the office for political purposes. And that's what we've seen here, in my opinion. I know the case. There is no evidence whatsoever to support the indictment that Alvin Bragg has brought against the 45th president of the United States. To me, it really is a case in a situation where it has become so politicized that it's literally amounting tantamount to election interference. If he was not running and seeking re-election in 2024 for the presidency, we would not be seeing this indictment against President Trump. You have a Democrat with Alvin Bragg, with an office that's being weaponized against the president, trying to do this so that it can damage him and hurt his chances or stop him from seeking re-election. And we've seen this in politically weaponized DA offices, about 75 now that are funded by George Soros being one of their big donors. And it's sad. It's a sad day in America because if they can go after President Trump, they can go after any one of us like this just because they don't like your political beliefs or what you stand for. I mean, this is not supposed to happen in this country. And that's why so many people, whether you consider yourself, you know, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, are outraged by it. I mean, even Alan Dershowitz, who I admire greatly, said, you know, there is no evidence to support here. There is no underlying uh, basis or crime for it, nor did the DA lay that out. He doesn't even have jurisdiction over this. This is why it is so crazy. But, you know, Donald Trump is going to have to go through this whole situation and the sham indictment and go through the process. You know, so it was a sad day to see him have to go to New York to be arrested and processed for this. And keep in mind, the Southern District of New York declined, said there is no evidence of any crime. They did not pursue it. OK, because a federal case, not a state case. And also the FEC found no violation. So how is it that Alvin Bragg is able to manufacture this indictment against the president? And that's why so many people are disturbed by it. Well, that leads me to I had a chance to look at the indictment and read the indictment. And frankly, it looks like a form indictment out of a law school book with nothing specific. It references unknown crimes that are not specified 
I just don't understand. I'll be honest, as a lawyer looking at that, I'm not even sure the indictment states a crime in any way by itself inside the four corners of the document. And so that's the problem. What 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 is it? Alan Dershowitz, myself, you, we're all we've all looked at it. They don't even have it. He didn't specify and he declined to answer that in the press interview after in his press conference. Alvin Bragg, he was asked it and couldn't state it. Well, I mean, there's a basic tenet under American jurisprudence that a defendant has a right to know what it's being charged with so that the defendant can defend themselves. And it seems to me that there's nothing in that indictment that allows President Trump to correctly and aggressively defend himself. That's the problem. You have people like Nancy Pelosi saying President Trump has to prove his innocence. I mean, this whole that's a complete inaccurate statement of the law. So apparently the whole burden of proof is now on Trump instead of on the state to prove the crime against him. How can someone defend themselves if they don't know what they're being charged with? Yeah. And that brings in the the only other motivation, which, frankly, right from Alvin Bragg's mouth, he campaigned on getting Donald Trump, quote unquote. Yes. So this is uh, just something that is outrageous. You bring up a great point because Alvin Bragg campaigned on that, that he was going to get President Trump. That shows his bias and his prejudice. You know who else said that? Letitia James. It's well documented. And in many videos and campaign availability, she was saying that, that she was going to get Donald Trump. That was her focus. And by the way, President Trump was just deposed by Letitia James. So it's one thing after the next, you know, one witch hunt after the next. And we've seen this, whether it was, you know, Russia, 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 the Mueller investigation, uh, Ukraine, impeachment hoax one, impeachment hoax two, the raid of Mar-a-Lago, Letitia James, Alvin Bragg. I mean, it's nonstop. Can you imagine that? It's a full-time job for him to just try to defend himself. And one after the next, you know, he is found to be innocent that he has been persecuted repeatedly. And that's what you see here. These aren't even prosecutions, they're persecutions. Well, he raised what at best would be a misdemeanor to a felony versus what he's doing with all the violent criminals essentially in New York City anyway, when he's reducing felonies down to misdemeanors. It's a very interesting thing going on in New York City. Very distressing, frankly, of a great city. Let me ask you, Kimberly, while we have you, what makes liberals so crazy aggressive? What is President Trump doing that you think, what drives liberals so crazy about President Trump? Well, they just don't like that he is very aggressive and strong the way he handles things. They don't like because he doesn't play by the rules that they in the swamp love. And it's really about the establishment, because quite frankly, there's a lot of establishment Republicans that feel the same way. The Mitch McConnell's of the world. They don't like Trump because he doesn't play by their same swamp rules. So you have people that are very upset with it. President, And here's the problem. President Trump wants to make sure that there is an equal playing field, that we actually take care of the people that are in lower socioeconomic classes, that we actually help create jobs, that we make sure that what we're doing with the taxpayer's money is the right thing and the responsible thing. He's very strong on foreign policy and national security. I firmly believe that if President Trump was in office, we wouldn't be having this whole conflict in Ukraine. And if he got back in, he would be able to get this ended. I think it's a very big destabilizing factor in our country as well, this war in Ukraine. And even Janet Yellen said so. 
Well, that plus the Biden energy policy drove energy prices up, which fueled inflation, as well as runaway spending under the Biden administration. Some of those things probably would not be happening. Yeah, the dollar devaluation and every they are all now turning against the U.S., China, Russia, wanting to do a new currency. I mean, this is really bad what's going on right now. We would not have this happening if Trump was in office. And that's why it's like he really feels, despite the fact that they're all coming after him, that he's got to do this, that he's got to fix it and get back in and save the country. Well, you and I both know that inflation is the hidden tax that impact lower socioeconomic families more than anybody. So let's turn our attention to election. President Trump is running for the third time. What do you think's changed over that period? This is a different environment than it was when he first ran, when he came down the escalator from Trump Tower and announced he was running for president in 2016. How do you see the political environment now compared to then? You know, it's a really good question. It's so fascinating to me. I feel like we're going a little bit back to 2016 now in a really good way. That was a very grassroots, robust campaign all about the people. And we have found ourselves circling back to many of those same themes. That was the, you know, original Make America Great Again. And he's going to have to do it this time again because of what's happened over the past two years, um, the destruction by the Biden administration. But I think it's all about the base and going back to the people and the forgotten men and women. It's like a bad reminder Because what's happened over the past two years has really impacted the middle class and the lower socioeconomic class. And those are the people, they're very big supporters of President Trump. You know, our average donation is like $33 on the emails that we send out. And that's incredible because we have so many people engaged wanting to help the president, people that really work hard for a living, that are taking the time and choosing to give some of their hard-earned money to support the president. So it's about going back to that base. You see the president going to all the different cities to do the rallies. He's really done an incredible job. The enthusiasm is infectious. It's contagious. People are fired up. They wait in the rain to see President Trump for hours because he's an inspirational figure. And they're even more excited because they know the good job that he did before and that he will do again to fix things. It's not like this guy's got to have training wheels on going back into the White House. He will be able to get things done from day one. And I love that we're doing all of the policy videos and speeches that he's been coming out so strong on. And, you know, there's things like school choice that is, you know, more important than ever when we see the indoctrination that's happening in classrooms across this country. So many mothers love that President Trump is such a strong supporter of school choice. You know, women care about that. That's a big deal. And he's done some incredible work talking about that. He was supportive of it when he was in last time. But I think now we see, you know, even more than ever that uh, parents are concerned about what's going on in our schools and in education. So they want that kind of leadership that President Trump has and his viewpoints and beliefs in this area. I mean, imagine that you have to try to have your kid to spy and make sure and record or, you know, tell you what's going on in the classroom because there's some craziness that we've seen across this country and what they're doing. Like, it's it's really shocking to me. And then the big push about all of this gender reassignment and, um, you know, pushing children in, in that way. Maybe you're not a boy. Maybe you're a girl. The insanity of the whole pronoun movement, like that is... I've never thought that like in the past years, we would see this much stuff happen this quickly that is just blows the mind. 
But the country is clearly divided because there are red states and blue states, and there's a clear divide on those issues you just laid out. I mean, you've spent a lot of time, you know, you started your career out in San Francisco. California uh, is a far different place than, say, Florida or Texas, as an example. Uh, yes. You know, San Francisco is a far right, different place than it was uh, today than it was when I was there. I'll tell you that much. Right. I mean, so there is a difference with respect to Chicago. We've written a little bit about the difference between, say, Florida or red states and blue states and using the example of of Florida versus California or Texas versus Illinois is an example. It's a sad thing. Just recently, Whole Foods announced that they were shutting down some of their flagship locations and Walgreens. And I mean, how do we stop? Yeah. And and Walmart's. Because of the, yeah, yeah, but look at the difference though. That's in blue states and blue cities. That's right. the problem because there's no respect for law and order. Police are treated like villains, okay? And this is terrible. Like you can't even have any kind of law and order, any kind of public safety. They're do- closing in San Francisco. They're closing in Chicago. I mean, how sad is that? That people can't even go get groceries at a good store in a metropolitan, in major metropolitan cities because the criminals are being allowed to run free. That's just like in Manhattan with Alvin Bragg. It's absolutely insane. And it's not safe. It's not safe to go out on the streets, not safe to go and get the groceries or do whatever. You'll be robbed or killed. Or I mean, it's it's actually really frightening. It's one of the reasons why we moved from New York City and came to Florida. Right. I mean, because but- here we're safe. And I'm not kidding you. Like, the yeah. police are treated well, they're patrolling, they're doing their job, and you just don't see like the resources and the support and the backing of government in these blue cities to actually make sure that there's good quality of life and a focus on public safety. And it is bringing down the decline of society. But Kimberly, what do you think the end game is for some of these blue states and blue cities? I think it's utter chaos and that what they are going to do is sit there and favor, you know, woke policies and ideology to the point of economic ruin to make people dependent on the state. That's what I think. I think it's literally a push towards the socialism where, okay, be dependent on the government for everything to tell you what to do, how to think, how to vote, all of the above. It's about total control. That's what I think it is. So American values such as individual liberty is being replaced with sort of statism in some respects. I, I absolutely do believe that. I really do. They want you to be dependent on the government for everything that you need. It's mm. really true. It's it's breaking the back of free market, free enterprise, capitalism, and replacing it with a completely different structure of government dependence. I mean, if they want, you know, they want to turn this country into Venezuela. I mean, that's what you see. And but the sad part is that people fought so hard against communism and socialism and they're shoving it down our throats in this country. But that's why I think there's going to be a big referendum and a big awakening. And this is part of the reason why they want to try to stop Donald Trump. You mean when you think of the shining city on the hill visual, you don't think of Venezuela? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, my God. And that's sad because people should learn and go back and uh, read history and, and pay attention and do an examination of what went on. Why do they think that it's going to work? It's failed in every country that has used that system. Lastly, I wanted to uh, ask, I mean, you're very close, obviously, to the Trump family. What is the mood in fighting the indictment and the mood going forward now? I want to make sure we, we get that out because I think it's important. 
Yeah, well, let me tell you something. This is, you know, the president's been my friend for 18 years. So I have a separate relationship with him, you know, irrespective and separate from my fiance, Don Jr. He's a very strong man. I know the measure of the man, his courage, his valor. He's just inspirational and you can't break him. He's one of the hardest working, smartest, toughest people I've ever met. And that's why I was the first person at Fox News on an opinion show, which is my right to give my opinion, to say that I supported him and thought that he would be the next president of the United States. And that was back in 2016, because I know him and I know his ability to fight back, the way he has ideas and he puts things together. He's very solution oriented. Um, He's willing to hear all different sides and then he makes up his mind. He's not just a partisan person. He's a a businessman who loves this country and knows how to run things. And that's what I knew we needed. And I knew he would be capable and very different to fight all the rest of the establishment candidates. And keep in mind, he ran against 16 people and he did an incredible job of very talented people. So that's why I'm not worried about anybody running uh, you know, against him now in the primary. I know that he will be victorious. I know that he has tremendous support. And they're really almost making him into a folk hero. This persecution is completely backfiring. And he is very strong and in good spirits. He really is. And it's remarkable to watch. So when I see strength like that, I say, you know what? We're all going to be strong and we're going to fight for him. We're going to do this and be in it together. And everyone in the family is like this. And I think you probably have that opinion when you see whether it's Don Jr. or Eric, Laura, Jared, Ivanka, you know, Tiffany, Baron, First Lady, just class acts, wonderful people, strong fighters that are true patriots willing to put it on the line because this country matters. And he's doing it for all of us. And that's why I'm really optimistic um, that once again, he'll prevail and he will push through this chaos and this persecution and emerge victorious. Well, I'm going to leave it on that note. Kimberly, it is always wonderful to speak to you and have you share your views. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Be well. Politics and Sunshine is a production of the Fort Lauderdale law firm Trip Scott, serving Florida and beyond for over 50 years. A reminder that this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute legal or professional advice. No user should act on the basis of any material contained in this podcast without obtaining proper legal or other professional advice specific to their situation. Please be sure to like and share this podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time for another fresh edition of Trip Scott's Politics and Sunshine.